Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Paul Richmond. Paul, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you, Corey. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. That's a pleasure having you here. You got a new book out in stores right now called Flow of Soul Poetry. Can you tell me about it? As far as I'm concerned, Flow of Soul Poetry is a ministry, not just a book. Hmm. My poetry ministry pretty much was conceived and helps prevent veteran suicides. That's one of the main goals, as well as growing discouragement, you know, stemming from fear and isolation within nursing homes, of which my dad was in there and died uh, two years ago from COVID in one. Oh, I'm sorry. Washing of emotional turmoil for those in addiction recovery. By providing godly inspiration, um, again, I've done recitals for the past few years until COVID hit every week at a addiction recovery program, every week for an hour at the nursing home and at, at my PTSD group. It's been a wonderful thing to have a ministry that God's blessed me with to channel my inner energy and help people who need to be in a better place emotionally. I like to say that my poetry washes you. Quick data point on that. Someone came up to me Christmas time at church of uh, 2019 and told me it saved their 40-year-old son's life. He was suicidal. She told him to read some of my poetry. He did, and he didn't take his life. And another guy who's not a veteran up in Canada messaged me that he was suicidal because I, I have a little ministry. I, I reach out to people like that since I've been through it myself. And he also told me that it prevented him from taking his life. And it's just when you get that kind of a response from people, it just really uh, tells you that what you're doing is really worthy and, and a good thing. Well, I'm curious now, Paul, could you read us any of your poetry? Give us an example of what we're in for. Absolutely. I've got two short ones that I'll be more than happy to share with you that really, I think, give you a feel for my poetic expression, or as I call it, my flow of soul. The first one is called The Fall and the Rise. I wrote this one in 2016, although I've been writing them since 1988, and it's just been a long journey to get to this point where I finally got it published in February of this year, 2022. So this one's called The Fall and the Rise. And it's based on the fall, autumn, and then the rise spiritually. It goes like this. Richly colored leaves start swirling, collide with twigs, continue hurling, spiraling down, twisting, twirling, touch down softly, edges curling. My spirit's in flight from temptation's hold, plows into prayer and his words so bold. Then I spiral upward. To places foretold and touch down gently on streets of gold. The second one I wrote in 2018, this one is called The Bow After the Rain, and it pretty much is about the rainbow that comes after a thunderstorm. And it's in the order of the colors of the rainbow, you know, the old Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet. So here we go. Across a colorful pasture, I sped. Along that curved sea of bright red, onto slices of orange I go, surfing waves of citrus flow, 
The soft clay with zesty yellow tints welcomed my lemony large footprints. Then gently upon jade did I trod as I journeyed onward towards our god. Blue seas wrapped me tight as a robe as I swam on through the sapphire grove. Then the next shade presented and I laughed as I danced upon the indigo grass. The seas and grass merged onto the plains and dabbed them vividly with deep violet stains. Thus the bow rained its colors so deep and vast, trailing the storms of thunder that passed. Uh, there you go. Beautiful stuff, Paul. Appreciate that, Corey. Comes from a deep place. <laughs> if you like the sound of those powerful words that Paul read, then you're going to want to get this book. It's titled Flow of Soul Poetry. It's written by Paul Richmond, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, it's been great having you on the show here today, Paul. Thank you so much for telling me about Flow of Soul Poetry and everything you're working to do. We really appreciate your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. I hope so too, Corey. Um, to all your listeners out there, thank you for your support. This ministry is uh, literally saving lives and helping people to get to a better place emotionally, and it's just great to have a pick-me-up when you need it. Thank you very much. God bless you and God bless America. There are times in all of our lives when we need to be reminded of God's unwavering love. The new book by Minister Ciara Johnson called Anointed and Appointed looks to do just that. And I'm really happy that Ciara is right here with me now to talk about it. Ciara, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here tonight. Hello, and thank you so much. Can you tell me what Anointed and Appointed is all about? Yes, yeah, so the book is intended for God's children to help empower and uplift them. We all face many adversities in life, and so this book is just an inspiration to help get them through and to let them know that God is able. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what we go through in life, no matter how down things may look, but if we always seek God and continue to speak life into our being, it's possible. Anything is possible. Mm. And this is an interactive book journal. So can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so included in the book, I speak a little bit about things that I went through. And it also gives the readers the opportunity to reflect. So there are some questions that they can go through to reflect back on their own life as to things that they're asking God for. In the book also, there are prayers for the readers, giving them hope just to see that there are people that are just like them that have been through the same thing and they have overcome and they can too. Hmm. Sierra, how did you get the idea for Anointed and Appointed? So this book um, was thought of when back in 2018, I was faced with a hardship in my life. And during that time, I decided to start writing. And that was more so my way of just speaking to God, talking to him about the things that I was going through, what I was asking God to do in my life as far as healing. During the process, you know, I didn't intend to write the book. I was just intending to release what was going on in my own life and, you know, what I was praying for. But during the process, God, you know, he was telling me there's more. There are more people across the world that are broken from whatever the situation may be. And they need to know that I can heal them. I'm able to do all things. You know, if you trust me, I can do it. That's what will let me to write the book. Is this your first time being published then? Yes. Oh, congratulations. What was the most challenging part of it? Was it the writing part or the publishing part? The writing part more so, it wasn't challenging because I have five children. 
So during the process, you know, I started writing and then life caught up to me where I got really, really busy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have time to sit down as much as I would have liked to. But that was the most challenging part is just staying focused on accomplishing it and finishing the book. Mm. What was it like for you then, Sierra, when that first copy came in? You got to hold it and look at it for the first time. When the first copy came in, I was overjoyed. Like, it felt like my heart instantly stopped. Mm. You know, being able to let the world know. God allowing me to be a vessel for him alone is enough. And just being able to show that, you know, God's unwavering love can get you through anything. It was very touching for me. Mm. Do you think there are more books in you? Can we expect to see more in the future? Absolutely. I actually have one that I'm currently working on. Yes. Wonderful. A lot of people listening right now, Ciara, are authors who are just starting out. So do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer them? Yes. One thing I would always say is no matter what, continue to push forward. Mm. Continue to allow God to saturate into your heart and in your mind. And the biggest thing that I've noticed through my own journey is your mindset makes the difference. Changing the way you think, changing the things that you say, ultimately speaking life over everything that you experience, whether it's your family, your job, your career, you know, whatever it is that you feel that you're needing God to step in, speaking life over that thing, no matter what it looks like. Mm. Continuing to push forward and ultimately knowing and trusting God in the process. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to find a lot of encouragement in this book. It's titled Anointed and Appointed. It's written by Minister Ciara Johnson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Online, you can get this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and you can also get it down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Ciara, thank you for joining me on the show tonight and telling me all about Anointed and Appointed. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and for everyone that may be listening. Remember that your life is worth living. Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Rusty Thomas. And Rusty is right here with me now to talk all about it. Rusty, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, It's a blessing to be with you, buddy. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited to talk with you today. Can you tell me what this book is all about? Well, I've been in the battle, on the front lines of the battle to end the American Holocaust for probably about three and a half decades. And I figured it was time to put pen to paper to pass on the things that I have learned and also to bring correction to the pro-life movement that in some ways has led astray the Church of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is so many in the pro-life movement have exchanged God's truth for political strategies. And that sort of has confined us to a kind of a pro-life hamster wheel that has been bottlenecked by the Supreme Court. And that's why 50 years later, we are still struggling, you know, with child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, and the defilement and pollution that it brings. So this book is written to bring some much-needed correction. So we fight this battle God's way with his blessing. Rusty, what kinds of readers were you reaching out to with this? Mainly, well, you know, it's for all readers that are interested in the topic, obviously, but it's specifically written to Christians, those that make up the Church of Jesus Christ. 
and to really challenge them on what their duty is as Christians, where the church needs to interpose, you know, using our God-ordained authority, which is to bring the gospel of the kingdom into our culture, you know, minister the gospel at the abortion clinics. So hopefully we can reach unsuspecting parents that are getting ready to do the unspeakable to their own children so that they would have a godly choice, a choice that would lead to life and not death, blessing, not cursing, and then also to convince the church to regain her prophetic voice to provide the moral conscience to the state where they must do their duty to treat abortion for what it is. It's a crime. It's called murder, and it must be penalized by law. Otherwise, God's demand for justice has not been met, and our nation is still staggering under the weight of blood guiltiness. And so this is written mainly to Christians that we would cry out to God, deliver us from this evil, and provide for us a future and hope for our children and our grandchildren. Hmm. And you are a seasoned writer. Rusty, can you tell me about your writing background? That's a very interesting development. I've been in full-time ministry for many, many years, since 1982. The writing aspects of it began just as we ministered from city to city, church to church, different venues. People were very much interested in our ministry, and so they asked, hey, can we stay in contact with you? Have you ever thought about writing a newsletter? So simply, you know, we can keep track of you, pray for you, and even kind of support the ministry and what you're doing. And so that's how the ministry aspects began. It just began with a newsletter to stay in touch with folks. And then that developed into writing plays and skits and tracks and pamphlets and brochures and then booklets. And then finally, it graduated to books. Mm. And I understand you're working on more. We can see more from you in the future. Yeah, well, I've also written a lot of other books, but I haven't yet put it through the pipeline of covenant books, but I hope to do so in the future. My wife and I just finished our latest book. It's called Jeremiah Strong. I'm in negotiations right now with covenant books to see what it will take to get that book published. Hmm. Well, I know a lot of my listeners are going to want to check out this book. It's titled Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. It's written by Rusty Thomas, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can jump online and get this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookstore. Rusty, it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for telling me about everything. I hope we can talk again. Sounds good, Mr. Corey, and, and thank you for this opportunity. The Tour is a new encouraging book that's out in stores now, written by April Hobby. And April's right here with me now. We're going to talk all about it. April, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate this time to just talk about the book, the tour. Thank you. Well, it's really good to have you here today, April. Can you tell me all about the tour? Well, this book is actually a book that I started writing when I was in Germany. I happened to be on tour. I'm a singer Hmm. and was told to me that we were going to be witnessing to, you know, people there. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be singing about Christ and we're going to be doing a lot of different things. And when I got over there, it was such a different 
you know, way of doing things. And it, was, it wasn't what I expected. And so the tour basically is about witnessing, about what we as the body of Christ need to be really doing. And I basically talked about how Christ gave us the foundation of a tour, even though we didn't call it a tour. We called it something else, you know, his walks, his journey. But the tour is based on the teachings of Christ and based on how to be doing as the body of Christ, how we should be witnessing to those who are lost. Hmm. April, what kinds of readers were you reaching out to with this? Well, I was actually reaching to the body of Christ. I mean, but those who are maybe just inquisitive about wanting to know about what witnessing could be, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. It could be to anyone, but basically my people that I was really targeting was those who are saved, those who are going to church and were supposed to be doing this job that God has given us. He has commissioned us from the beginning that we should be going out to witness to all the people in the world and not just be sitting in churches singing and preaching from Sunday to Sunday. We need to be out there. So that was my target audience. <laughs> have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No, I have never done it. I've written, you know, little things on my own, just, you know, for my personal self, but never publishing. This is my first time doing this. Wow. Did it take you a long time then to get through the whole process? When I started in 2014, I happened to be on tour with a publisher. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How funny that was. <laughs> and he actually encouraged me to do it. And so at first I published it with him. It didn't turn out as well as I liked it to be. Hmm. So I stopped, you know, and I said, you know what? I need to really regroup and figure out who I need to really target to get this book out properly and do the right thing. Because everything, I mean, you know, you spend a lot of money in doing this thing and you really want the work that you put out, especially if God has given it to you, you want it to be done correctly. Hmm. And so I had to ask the Lord, please help me figure out who I should go to. And he gave me Christian publication. And I was so grateful. And they gave me an opportunity to really do what I need to do the proper way. It was my first mess up, but it was a good mess up because I learned from it. And I experienced the failure. And then I also experienced the triumph in it as well. Mm. April, do you think we'll see a follow-up to the tour or maybe another kind of book from you in the future? Maybe a, another type of book. I mean, I have some things that I'm thinking about and I'm praying, you know, I'm asking the Lord to help me to get through it because this one is more of an emotional mm. type of book. And it's hard, you know, when you talk about your emotions and wanting to put it on paper. So, but I pray that it, there will be some kind of follow, not follow up with the tour, but another type of book that's heartfelt. Mm. Now, looking back over the whole process, April, what for you is the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author? Oh, man. I think it's that God trusted me with it. Mm. That, for me, is more than all the money in the world, that he trusted me with such an assignment. Mm. And I just want to do him proud. That's how I feel. I know a lot of people will be encouraged by this. It's called The Tour. It's written by April Hobby, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Jump online and get this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, April, thanks for joining me again here on the show and telling me all about the tour. I hope we can talk again sometime. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. It was a pleasure, and it gave me an opportunity to just let the world know that our witness is so important to the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. Thank you.
The Forensic Case for Fivefold Leadership. This is the new book in stores right now, written by Melvin T. Hayes. And Melvin is sitting right here with me now. Melvin, thanks for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you on the show. Can you tell me all about your new book, The Forensic Case for Fivefold Leadership? Well, the book came as a result of a need to fulfill the requirements of my doctoral studies on leadership. And I was struggling for not only a title, but quite frankly, a subject to write about. I remember sitting in my study and reading the Bible, you know, just for pastors. So I'm always, you know, reading the Bible. So I was reading the Bible and I came across Ephesians 4.11. And it was as if that moment, that particular passage of Scripture just jumped off the page into my spirit. Mm. God answered my prayer. He gave me a subject. Wow not only to complete the requirements for my doctoral studies, but a scripture that set me on a path of study that has helped me way beyond just that particular requirement. Hmm. Melvin, what kinds of readers do you think would really get the most out of this? I've thought about that often, and I do believe pastors will get a great deal of use out of that scripture because, for one, it helps identify what type of Christian and how they think, whether they think apostolically or they think pastorally or they think in any one of the five. So I think pastors would really get a good understanding of how they think and the direction and purpose of their particular ministry. Everyone seems to categorize a church leader as a pastor, but nothing beyond that. The other terms are not necessarily used. Yet clearly we think in one of those five ways. We are built in one of those five ways. No different than a man is different in many respects from a woman, and they think differently in some respects, not all respects, but they think differently. So pastors will get a lot of use out of that. I think teachers as well, Bible teachers, but not only Bible teachers, but secular teachers will get a lot of use of that because they understand how they think and how they come to some of their conclusions through the process of the way they think. But I really do believe all people can get real good use out of this particular book because it helps identify one of the five ways they process things and come to the conclusions they come to as a result of that processing. Well, Melvin, is this the first time for you then when it comes to writing a book and being published? It is the first time. Having been a doctoral student, I was responsible for a lot of writing articles and submitting the articles to ATLA. But this is the first time that I wrote a book for public consumption. A lot of our listeners right now are authors who have never written a book either. They're just starting out. So, Melvin, what advice would you give them? I would give them, A, first of all, get an understanding of how they have been spiritually wired and not try to necessarily stray too far from that particular way that they are wired. If they think like a teacher, it's no wonder that when they write, they will write more like a school teacher. If they think from a form of pastoring, they will think as a caregiver. And so the advice I can give them is to know who they are and to know how they are wired and how they think. And so they won't really try to copy anyone. They will really fulfill their own particular assignment in their writing. And I really do think they will connect with their audience a lot better. Mm. 
Have you given any thought to writing more and more publishing in the future? Absolutely. In the process of writing this one, I look to get a little bit deeper into each of the five different leadership models that we are inherently, I believe, born into. So I would like to give, say, the apostolic thought, which for me is mostly geared towards pioneering and implementing new types of businesses or services. I would like to help them get a little better understanding of how exactly they can tap into their particular way of thinking and hone down into their heart and mind for others. I know a lot of readers are going to be helped by this book. It's titled The Forensic Case for Fivefold Leadership. It's written by Melvin T. Hayes and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Melvin, it's been great having you on the show here today. Thank you for telling me all about your book and all of your work. I hope we can do this again sometime. I would love to. This heartwarming account shows readers what one person can do to spread peace on Earth. It's titled Goodwill, the around-the-world flight of Congressman Peter F. Mack, Jr., and the author, Mona Mac Malampi, is right here with me now to talk all about it. Mona, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here to talk about one of the most incredible, little-known stories in American history. It does sound fascinating. Can you tell me all about this? Sure. Goodwill is the true story of a four-month around-the-world venture by a passionate young congressman from small-town Illinois. In 1951, during the midst of the Korean War and the Cold War, Mr. Mack piloted, all by himself, a light single-engine airplane to 31 countries. Wow. He presented his trademark friendship scrolls to local officials in many cities. In conversations with ordinary people along the way, he expressed America's desire for peace. His mission was risky and full of unknowns. He had never flown these routes before or been to most of the places on his itinerary. Many of the legs were over open water for 8, 11, even 16 hours with no land in sight. There was one hair-raising near myth of Wake Island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Goodwill is his intriguing story. It explains how the flight came to be, the struggles encountered in the air and on land. We learn about each of his stops, as well as his triumphant return home. We see how the pilot relied not only on his aviator skills and a well-built beachcraft bonanza, but also on his faith and the power of prayer. It is an inspiring tale of friendship. The tour was a unique way to voice his timeless yet urgent message that goodwill is everyone's job at home and abroad. Wow. Mona, what inspired you to sit down and write this story? I felt that this historic global journey is really timeless, and it needed to be told and preserved for generations, mm. especially as a teaching tool. Mm. And what kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? I think people who love to travel, history and aviation buffs, and students of all ages would really enjoy this book. It is full of fascinating information. And one interesting fact about this story, can you imagine the Smithsonian Museum lending someone an airplane to fly around the world? 
That's exactly what happened. The Smithsonian let Mr. Mack borrow the Beechcraft Bonanza that was already in the museum's collection. And it's still there. This very airplane will be featured in a new exhibit at the National Air and Space Museum called One World Connected, which is scheduled to open later this year in 2022. More details can be found on the Smithsonian's website. If you are ever in the Washington, D.C. area, definitely stop by the museum and see the Friendship Plane. Well, Mona, is this the first time you've written or the first time you've been published? Yes. Yes, it is. And I definitely enjoyed the experience. It was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Mm. But my advice to readers who are just starting out is definitely try it. Never give up. Stick with it a few times during the process. I wanted to quit just because it was so difficult and it was very hard work, but I'm glad I stuck with it. So new writers should definitely give it a try and keep writing and editing until your book is finished and you're happy with it. And it's hard to go at this kind of thing alone. So Mona, were there people around you who knew you were doing this and they could be there to encourage you and keep you going? Definitely. I mean, my husband is a great one to support me and encourage me. And he helped with the editing phase and helped me prepare for your interview today. So he's a great support person for me. That's wonderful. I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's titled Goodwill, the Around the World Flight of Congressman Peter F. Mack Jr. This is written by Mona Mack Malampi and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Online, you can find this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, thanks again for being here with me today, Mona. I really had a great time talking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Take care. A Victory Song, Beneath the Veil. It's the new book out in stores right now by Sarah Dickens, and I'm really happy that Sarah's right here with me now to talk with me about it. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Of course. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Can you tell me all about A Victory Song? Sure. So my book, A Victory Song Beneath the Veil, is basically a memoir that goes from my early childhood years up until my 28th year. I'm 31 years old now. But it basically discusses my battles with mental illness. I am diagnosed with bipolar disorder and how my faith and belief in God brought me through trials, tribulations, and circumstances related to my mental illness. I talk about three main topics in my book that relate to my mental illness, as well as my faith in God that brought me through those trials and tribulations related to my mental illness, mainly with friendships from college, my relationship with my ex-boyfriend that actually drew me closer to God, and then my relationship with my mother, who brought me closer to God when I was a child, but then my relationship with my mom, the up and downs with it, as well as my relationships with my friends from college actually prompted me to seek the Christian counseling that I needed so that I could treat my mental illness. Mm. Sarah, who are you reaching out to with this? What kinds of readers do you think this would really ring true with? So this is intended for our young adult audience. As I was thinking about when I first began writing this book, which was back in um, 2018, I was thinking about reaching the young adult audience, teenagers. It relates to everyone because I make all these topics relatable to everyone, like the seasonal friendships, the relationship with my ex-boyfriend and my up and down relationship with my mother. 
I make them relatable to everyone. So even if you don't have a mental illness, you can read it. But I intended it for a young adult, teenage audience, simply because I want for the youth to know that they are not alone, that they are enough. And that for me, in my struggle with mental illness, if you have a, like faith, in, like my faith in God, for instance, brought me through those trials, tribulations, and circumstances related to my mental illness, that they can seek faith too. For me, it helped to balance things out in my life, and it can help to balance things out in their life too, as well as to gain a deeper sense of awareness and understanding as they find out more about themselves, who they are in terms of mental health, mental illness, and their relationship and belief and faith in God. Mm. Sarah, I can imagine a lot of this book probably wasn't easy for you to write. So what gave you the idea or the inspiration to start writing this and then publish it? A couple years ago, I began to write this book in 2018. I was at a women's conference and there was a speaker there and she picked me out from the audience and asked me what my goal, my overall goal and dream was for my life. I stood up in front of the ladies and everyone else there at the women's conference and told them that I'm going to write a book. I believe it was a, what you would call like a coincidence or divine connection because it was there that I met my book coach. Wow. And then we got the ball rolling for writing my book. So by making that decree, declared declaration out loud, by speaking words out loud, it's like I brought it into existence that I would write this book, A Victory Song Beneath the Veil. I was inspired by not just my faith in God to write this book in Christ Jesus Christ, but also the circumstances related to my mental illness, because I want, as I stated earlier, for the youth to know that they're not alone in the battle and the fight and the struggle against mental illness. And also the inspiration behind it was mainly because of the circumstances that I went through related to the mental illness. I want the youth to learn from the experiences. So even if they're going through something similar, that they have a reason to hope a reason to dream, a reason to be inspired. Well, Sarah, I really appreciate that you've used everything that you've gone through to reach out and to help others who might be going through the same thing. The book is called A Victory Song, Beneath the Veil. It's written by Sarah Dickens, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Jump online, get this on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sarah, thanks again for coming on the show and talking with me here tonight. I had a really great time. You are welcome. It's an honor. This book tells readers to grip your hilts tight and prepare for the battle of your life. It's called Chronicles of the Unseen, Origins of the Word Wielders. This is written by Adam R. Dollhouse, and Adam is sitting right here with me now to talk about it. Adam, thanks for joining me here tonight. Oh, thank you for having me, Corey. This is awesome. Thank you. Well, it's awesome to have you on the show. Can you tell me all about Chronicles of the Unseen? Yeah, so it's kind of a, a long backstory, so I'm going to make it as short as I can. Me and my wife were sitting around. We've been developing a game called The Unseen. And in the midst of it, I started to write these biographies of the characters within the game. And as I started to flesh them out, they just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, this is turning into a novel. And so from the scripture in Ephesians 6:12, it says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavy places. And so we thought, wow, what does that actually look like with superheroes, the way and how popular they are nowadays? You know, the power source is always something like, you know, Spider-Man and the radioactive spider. But I'm like, what if the power source was actually God? Mm -hmm. And you could actually see into this unseen realm that the Bible talks about. And so 
what we kind of came up with was like, what if the living word was alive and it turned into weapons and armor? And as they understood and discerned it, they were able to wield this in the unseen realm. And so they're actually able to expose doubt and guilt and fear as these demons are kind of like afflicting and attacking people in the unseen realm. But at the same time, it's a very real and raw story because as the book plays out, it doesn't start there. They're going through very real traumas, very real struggles. And as God kind of meets them in the midst of their despair, he kind of takes their burdens and their afflictions and he spins it around to good. And then he takes them and redeems them. And then now they have a unique power and able to go into the unseen fight for others. And that's kind of the gist of the book. The reason why it's called Chronicles is because it is a series of short stories that are about the individual characters. But as those short stories start to expand, they start to merge together into one big epic story that turns into just an enormous in-game battle. Wow. Adam, what kinds of readers do you think would be into this? Since the book's been out, I've had various readers from young teens to elderly people come and read it. And so I think it kind of spans across, you know, as far as an age dynamic, all ages, as far as like the type of reader that would enjoy this. I mean, if you're into things like Piercing the Darkness or Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, that type of thing, this is going to mm. be like right up your alley. It really is just an epic adventure. At the same time, I've had people come up to me and say things like, there's so much content in this book. I just want to read it again and again <laughs> because the twists and the way that it folds back on itself and the way that these characters interact with each other. And then the very raw, real life trauma and story that kind of plays out with each character is, I think I've maybe said this like 10 times, it's very raw. Mm. That's the feedback I get most. Now, I'm going to ask you that question too, Adam. When is the sequel coming out? You know what? I'm actually working on that right now. So like I said before, the book is paired with a game that I made, which is a separate story in itself. You don't really need to play the game to read the book or vice versa, but they do enhance each other. And the setup at the end of this book kind of leads right into a sequel. And so I've actually been fleshing out the characters and kind of working them in. And man, I would really love to see it written and done within the next couple of years. It would be great. So what would be your best piece of advice for authors who are just starting out? I would say whatever you want to write, whatever you have on your mind, or if God is calling you to write, or if you just love to write, put your hands on the keyboard. Mm. Just trust yourself and just write. Just put your hands in there, put your thoughts away, and just express yourself through writing. And you'll just be so surprised and amazed at what can happen. I think what happens a lot of time with creative people is they're spinning around, they walk around and they pace and then they get all wound up and like, where am I going to go with this? But mm -hmm. I think that if you just sit down and you put your hands on the keyboard and you just, or, or a pencil or however you write, just do it because you'll surprise yourself. And me being a Christian author and you pair with God, there's a co-authorship there and mm -hmm. he'll surprise you. It just will take you on a journey that you never expected before. I think a lot of readers are really going to be into this book. It's called Chronicles of the Unseen. Origins of the Word Wielders. It's written by Adam R. Dollhouse, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thanks again for joining me here tonight, Adam. I had a really good time talking with you. All right, Corey. Thank you for everything. Here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined by author Cornelia Elmore. Cornelia, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Corey, thank you so much for the invitation. It's an honor. It's an honor to have you. Your new book that just came out is called I Grew Where I Was Planted. What are readers in store for? 
Corey, this is about overcoming obstacles Mm -hmm. that each and every individual on this planet has to the glory of God, the best we know how, one day at a time. Given the road signs, sometimes the hurdles, the obstacles that are thrown at us, we just have to handle life and deal with it. Sometimes issues such as drug addiction from a loved one that sends us plummeting off maybe a jagged edge. We have to gain our focus and know that God said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you regardless of what we go through. Mm. My faith has to come to a stance that what he promised, he will do. And I grew while I was planted is just that. Sometimes we find ourselves in places and spaces in life that we really don't want to be in, extremely uncomfortable, compromising almost to our shame. But we, in our faith, find it as we grow through those obstacles, through those hurdles, through those hard places, that we can glean the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to be our shining armor and to be our hand extended out of those places and spaces, Corey. Cornelia, how were you inspired to sit down and write this and then publish it? It's amazing, that question, because I pondered that. I was at work one day and just talking to one of my favorite coworkers, and we were kind of sharing, well, she was sharing some things with me about life and first one thing and then another, and she knew some of my past. And she said, you ought to write a book. Mm-hmm. And it was like something on inside just, boom, sparked and said, you're right. And I said, but do we really need another book? She said, maybe not. She said, but maybe you really need to tell your story and share your testimony to people so that they could hear hope that because you went through it, they can go through it as a common individual, a normal person. It was at that inspiration that I kind of pondered it. And that was about four years ago. And it's just been like a nag, almost, almost like a Corey, for lack of a better word for like a conviction. Not a day-to-day basis, but maybe hmm, a couple of times during a month. And so I started just pinning and putting things in notes in a notebook that I had, a journal, let's say, hmm. and just jotting things down as they would come to my thoughts. And over a period of maybe two or three years, the conviction on the inside got a little bit stronger. Put this book together. Put this book together. And I said, really? Put this book? I got enough things to make a book. <laughs> I started pulling it together, and lo and behold, it came together, but it wasn't like it was a book. It was more of a thought, Mm. or a thought about the things that I had gone through in my life and what has brought me to answer her question, why don't you write a book? Mm. Is this the first time you've written a book? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Congratulations. What advice would you give to those listening right now who also yearn to be published? Honestly, be led of your heart. Just be led. Just be led in your heart. Whatever convicts you, it doesn't have to be a nagging, guilty conviction as opposed to possibly a thought or will it help somebody improve their quality of life? Mm. And that's been my thing. I want to be able to inspire and to encourage people of all walks of life to know that you're not alone. You're not alone in this universe. You're not alone. And we're one bloodline. And as long as we maintain that quality of existence, that quality of life to love each other and care for one another, we'll be okay. But to know, to be transparent enough, look, you go through things, I go through things. It's no shame in our game. You've got problems. Everybody's got issues. So what? Jesus Christ overcame those issues for us to be able to stand in him and walk in him and overcome through him. And that's what I'll tell the people. Be inspired. Mm. 
This book definitely sounds inspiring. It's titled, I Grew Where I Was Planted. It's written by Cornelia Elmore, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can jump online and get this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also down the street at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thank you again for being here with me tonight, Cornelia. I had a really nice time talking with you. Again, Corey, it's my pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. God bless you. There's an adventurer around the world. In the new book by J. Irene Hickey, the title is Lost, The Adventures of Boomer and Matilda, Book One. The author, Irene, is right here with me now to talk all about it. Irene, thanks for being here with me tonight. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect in Lost, The Adventures of Boomer and Matilda? Well, they can expect an adventure, at least that's my hope. The idea of two characters striking out, finding themselves in a situation that's very foreign to them, and then figuring out how to resolve it. Hmm. Boomer's a kangaroo, and Matilda is a koala bear. They were being transported from Australia to a tiny little Texas zoo. And on the last leg of their journey, they were in an 18-wheeler that got caught in one of the horrendous Texas storms. And it had an accident on a backcountry road on the way to the zoo, and it overturned. The cages broke open, and they were free in a foreign land and learning how to get along with each other. So that's what the reader can expect to read. Sure sounds like an adventure to me, Irene. Uh, what sorts of readers do you think would be really into this? Well, it was planned for children, and as I've had people who read it, the adults who read it to the children told me that they thought it was really a book for all ages. Hmm. Now, yes, I think sometimes people are being kind to you when they say <laughs> that. I fully understand that. But it was intended for maybe six or seven years old up to about eight or nine years old. But it was written such that they're the storyline that can intrigue an adult, I believe. Hmm. Irene, where'd you get the idea for this story? About 15 years ago, we were traveling in Australia, and I bought these two little stuffed animals for my grandchildren. One was a kangaroo and one was a koala bear. And as we were on our, I call it an adventure every time I travel, as we were on our adventure, I started posing the two little guys at places saying, I think I'll take a picture of them here and a picture <laughs> of them there at the Australian Open with the uh, tennis players in the background. And they took on their own characters, as it were. I still have those stuffed animals. They never made it to my grandchildren. <laughs> They're still with me. But that was where the idea came from. As I place these animals in different places, they're on an adventure. When it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? I have been published as a poet and as a journalist. I started out my writing career as a journalist, hmm. but just not in the children's book genre before. Mm. How long did this take you, Irene, from when you first started writing up until it hit store shelves? To actually write the story, probably a little under a year. And that's because I'm the type of person that I'll start writing something and then my mind will go down the path of, oh, well, let's see, let's learn more about how our animals transported to zoos. And then that, oh, how are zoos maintained? And then what does a zoologist do? And in other words, the research goes on and on and on. And you can, you can really get mired down in it sometimes. It's important, but that can cause you to take longer to actually write the story. 
if that makes sense. Sounds like your natural curiosity just kicked in and maybe it went down a few rabbit holes. I do. I do. I'm quite familiar with the rabbit holes and I've learned how to get back out of them again. But I think that's what the imagination is all about in the first place. Mm. When my mind starts creating something, then it's like, not to sound crazy, but if you imagine that you've got a lot of different file cabinets in your brain, and then I'll go, oh, you know, that, that might make a good story. Or I'll see something and say, that would be a good title for a book. And then I file it away mm. in that one of those file cabinets. And then I go later and open it up, pull it out and start writing about it. But Boomer and Matilda's story, once I sat down and started writing it out, they just took on a life of their own. Mm. And then the characters that they came in contact with took a life of their own. And it was very easy to take it out of the brain, dust it off, and then start writing about it. It's actually pretty easy to do. But if I had been more disciplined and not gone down the rabbit holes, <laughs> as you said, I probably would have been able to finish it in a couple of months. But I'm just too sidetracked, I guess is the best word for it. <laughs> too curious. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, curious. But you see, that's the whole point of the book is we want children to be curious. Mm. We want them to have a sense of adventure. And we want them to also not take just what's being said to you for granted. So research it. So part of the point of the book is to get kids to think about, oh, ask the questions. I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's titled Lost, The Adventures of Boomer and Matilda, Book One. This is written by J. Irene Hickey, and it's published by Fulton Books. Irene, it's been a real delight having you on the show here today. Thank you so much for stopping in. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed speaking with you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.